Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, God is one. In today's gospel, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ comes down from the mountain, the mountain where he has just preached his powerful sermon on the mount. And as he's approached by a leper uh, who recognizes Jesus's authority calling him Lord, and the leper says, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. What the leper is essentially saying is, Lord, if it's your will to heal me, then heal me. The leper doesn't just go up to Jesus and say, heal me. Instead, he asks Jesus to do it if it's his will. This is both, both an acceptance of Jesus' authority as his recognized Lord and a recognition that it's not within the power of the leper himself to really even be making this appeal to Jesus. He's asking to someone in such a position of power above him. That is to say the leper is approaching Jesus with humility, with a poverty of body and spirit. And what does our Lord do? Well, Jesus, in his compassion, heals the leper, saying, I, I will be thou clean. Jesus says, it is my will to make you clean, and therefore I do. Now, this is not merely something extraordinary, as we often come to think of it, which is why we call such things miracles. But they are, in fact, quite ordinary. They are a natural occurrence when the created encounters the uncreated. In our world, as we often say here at the Advent, the key distinction is not the natural versus the supernatural, but the created versus the uncreated. In the uncreated box, there's only one thing, and that's not thing, at least not in the ordinary sense, and that one thing is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the other box, the created is everything else. You, me, this building, the pew you're sitting in, the plants, the land, the animals, the oceans, the sky, the earth, the moon, the sun, the galaxy, the whole physical universe, and if that wasn't enough, the entire spiritual universe, all the angels and the demons and Satan himself. I will be thou clean. What is God's will? Is God's will fickle? Does it only apply to this one leper? Of course not. And as we see, Matthew doesn't stop with just one miracle right here. He goes to right into another one, perhaps an even more miraculous event. Because in the first, Jesus reaches out and touches and heals a man standing right in front of him. But in the latter, we see a man of worldly authority, a centurion, who he himself says has soldiers under him, who he can simply say, go and do this and come and do, and do that, and they do it. Now, the centurion is a Roman citizen and one with quite a bit of authority. And he could easily, just like his own soldiers, compel Jesus, who's not a Roman soldier, to do something for him. He could just tell him what to do. And yet, he, like the leper, recognizes Jesus' authority and asks in faith for Jesus to heal his servant who's sick at home with this paralysis. But the centurion is not only humble in that way, but in that he asks not for anything of himself, but for his servant, a person he has full command over to be healed. And he doesn't bring this servant in front of Jesus, but asks for a healing at a distance. And we see that Jesus, showing his great authority over the entire universe, heals the centurion's servant from a distance. Last week, we heard of Jesus's first miracle of changing water to wine at the wedding at Cana. 
Along with that miracle, these today are epiphanies. They are theophanies that make God manifest and show us the great power of God and also his great mercy. These miracles show us who God is. And it's easy for us to come to think that God's will to be healed is confined, that it was somehow confined to a time 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked this earth, or that's confined to a specific place on those dusty roads of Jerusalem. We may begin to believe that there's no place for God's will to touch our lives here and today. But the good news is that God's will to heal goes so far that God became man in Jesus Christ, our Lord, to meet us in a personal way, to encounter us face to face, to walk with us as he did in the cool of the evening in the Garden of Eden. And not only there in the hot Middle Eastern days asking for a cup of water from a Samaritan woman. And that God-man Jesus comes down a mountain today. The Sermon on the Mount reflects the giving of the law by Moses on Sinai. And indeed, we know that Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount gives a new law in his statements. You've heard it said, but I say to you. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. So, Jesus is coming down from the mountain, as Moses did. He finds an unfaithful people stuck in their idolatry, not to a golden calf, but ironically to Moses himself. Last night at um, Evensong, we heard the story of the man born blind. If you weren't here, I'm sure you recall this parable or the story, not a parable, but it's, it's actual occurrence. And you may recall that after Jesus heals the man born blind, the Jewish council questioning him says, we are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Speaking of Jesus. And so is it any surprise that when Jesus encounters the faith of the centurion, a Gentile, that he responds, verily I say to you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. And I say to you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now this passage re recapitulates the story of the Exodus and the leading of God's chosen people, the Hebrews, into the promised land. But here we see not just the Hebrews, but the Gentiles being led to the promised land by Jesus Christ our Lord by his own words who will go to Jerusalem, to Golgotha, to, to cross not the Jordan, but the metaphorical river Styx, and bring us to the promised land, a land beyond death, to the marriage feast of the Lamb. And let's turn briefly to our epistle reading from Paul's letter to the Romans. Uh, it's in chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. We find themes from what we just talked about emphasized. Paul encourages us to live in harmony with one another, to associate with the lowly and not to be wise in our own estimation. The humility displayed by the leper and the centurion reflects the spirit of St. Paul's teachings. Furthermore, Paul goes on to urge us not to repay evil for evil, but to overcome evil with good. And that, of course, is exactly the approach that Jesus takes. He overcomes the evil of sickness with love and mercy. He doesn't take vengeance on the man born blind, because he was supposedly born in sin, recall? That's the way the, the um, Jewish philosophy thought at the time. No. He, he says, no, you weren't born, but actually to demonstrate the power of God. And he heals him. 
to the remarkable chagrin of the Jewish leadership at the time. And of course, in Jesus' death and resurrection, he gives us the ultimate example of overcoming evil with good and not repaying evil with evil by freely accepting the beatings, the torture, and his murder despite his innocence at the hands of the Romans through the ill will of the Jewish establishment. But we see a key contrast in that will with another will, one that connects us all the way back to the announcement of the good tidings of the coming of our Lord, not at Christmas, but at the Annunciation. As we see a parallel in the words that the leper says to our Lord and those of the Virgin Mary to the angel Gabriel, the leper said, Lord, if it be your will. And of course, the Virgin said, let it be unto me according to your will. Basically the same thing. In one, the Lord heals this man. But in it, it also wrought the, the Virgin Mother assenting to the will of God to bring our Lord and Savior to this world so that he would ultimately encounter that man as he came down the mountain. Now, of course, God healed before Jesus came to this earth, and God continues to heal to this day. And it isn't because Jesus was born that God heals. He heals because he's God, whether he's incarnate or not. It is God's nature to heal. It is God's nature to love. Everything in the story of salvation from the moment of creation until the final passages of John's revelation are about that love about that persevering love. God heals, God loves. In his incarnation, he assumed everything we are so that he could save it all. Mind, body, will, everything. And I think the final one is most especially important today. God assumed our human will so that he could save it, so that he could raise it to his will. We are called to have God's will. And that's what we get when we join in the leper and saying, Lord, if it be your will, or with the Virgin Mary, Lord, let it be unto me according to your will. When we do that, we trade our broken, fallen will for the will of God. And the will of God doesn't choose who to shower his love upon. It is the will of God to love and save us all. Christ died for you because he is love and loves infinitely. God, Jesus, is love, period. God's love is universal, and because of that, you can certainly count on the fact that he loves you. You can count on it not because of who you are, but because of who he is. And that is both a theophany and an epiphany, and I hope it's one that gives us great hope, engenders deep faith, and brings us to conform our will to love God and our neighbor as he loves us. So Lord, if it be your will, give us your will. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.